0: It is World Series Day, so we are going to break down a little bit of the World Series on the podcast today, Uh, look into matchups, previews, and make our final picks, and then we're going to talk about why we're all Penn State fans this week, and maybe get into a little bit of the decline of a couple of college football powers. All that and more on today's episode of the Fumbling Punter Podcast. welcome into the fumbling punter podcast i'm your host devin keeney and with us today our baseball expert because it's world series day lucas jones lucas what is up
1: man i just started thinking about can't hardly believe it's already world series time doesn't seem like that long ago we was doing our preview
0: i know it is insane how fast the season has went by it does seem like just yesterday that we were doing our uh, our previews, and uh, I neither of my teams are in the World Series. And uh, who did I pick in the National League? Do you recall? You picked the Cubs. Okay, I did pick the Cubs. So at least the
1: Rangers. I had Cubs Indians rematch. <laughs> I think.
0: Yeah. Well, both of your teams made it further than mine did, just by de facto the Rangers not making the postseason at all.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that was unfortunate for. Your pick.
0: (laughs) So, uh, just, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the World Series today. And one note that I do want to bring up is this is the Dodgers' first World Series since 1988. And it is amazing to think that they have had the same World Series drought that the Royals did when they went back to the World Series in 14. It had been 29 years. It had been 1985. Does that just kind of blow your mind when you think about it, that the Dodgers were out of the World Series as long as the Royals were? um yeah i mean it, it does especially
1: considering that the dodgers made the playoffs spot the last five years in a row yeah and i mean <laughs> and in that last five years the giants have two world series um three same division oh i know i'm sorry you're right and the uh And I know the Dodgers made some World Series in the 2000s, I think, because I think they knocked the Cubs out in 2007 or 2008 in the Division Series. So, I mean, they've been there a lot. It's probably unusual to go to the playoffs that many times without even having a pennant. I would assume they've probably been in the playoffs at least seven times since the turn of the century, at least six. I know six for sure, maybe seven. And to not, you know, that's roughly 50%. So far, oh yeah, um, and they haven't won the pennant yet until this year. So it was a long time coming, and really, you know, I'm not real versed in 2000s Dodgers spending. It wasn't like I haven't now. been afraid to spend. I mean, they got 75 million dollars that they're paying this year on guys that's not on the World Series roster,
0: which is insane. 75 million dollars to go oh, yeah I mean their
1: payrolls at least a quarter of a million and you know but they got a lot of money coming off the books they had a lot of bad deals they absorbed um, in trades and then they've also traded away some bad players that they've had to eat some money on but they're able to afford that and it's not like I hate this time of the year because you start hearing it from people about buying World Series buying World Series <laughs> Like, oh, the Royals went two years in a row. They didn't necessarily buy theirs. Now, they're not they're not bottom of the rung. They were both middle of the pack both years in payroll. But, I mean, come on. If you're a big market team and you've got the money, I don't see a problem with it. But the point is, the Dodgers, two best players, three best players if you include pitching, Kershaw, four if you include pitching, their four best players all came up through their system. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, they are paying Clayton Kershaw $30 million a year and Kenley Jansen $18 million, But you know what? They deserve it.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. You know,
1: Seager and Bellinger come up through the system. Um, they took Justin Turner off the – I mean, three teams cut him. Yeah. The Reds, Orioles, and Mets didn't even want him.
0: Yeah, And now he's turned
1: into one of the best players in the National League. Yeah. So, it- yeah, they're buying – it's not the buying that you like would con- you know what the old Yankees were like. Yeah. They took on they took on contracts to get a- to get Adrian Gonzalez and Josh Beckett. They had to take the Carl Crawford contract, which was a bad bad deal for the Red Sox. They that basically was part
0: of it. They basically paid Carl Crawford 140 million dollars to play two seasons in L.A., which is just yeah. insane to me.
1: Yeah, he made like 20 million off of him this year, and he didn't even play. So the, I I mean, I just hate it because last year you heard all Cubs pop World Series. Well, how about you actually do some research?
0: Yeah, like look at
1: the guys that either come up or on rookie deals, and then yeah, every team that goes has to make some sort of. You gotta, you gotta make a splashy move once in a while.
0: Yeah, I always find myself this time of the year uh, defending teams that I don't particularly root for because of. Fans that just say, oh, such and such bought a World Series. And I just think it's a lazy comment, so I don't really get too riled up over it. But I just, if it's somebody I like, I do typically try to explain to them, you know, who came up in the system. You know, I mean, it's a lazy argument.
1: It's a very lazy argument. There's more than one way to build a winner. I mean, the Royals, again, were middle of the pack in payroll. um, And, you know, the core of their team, though, were guys that they brought up.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: so I mean, that's part of it. That's you know, the Cubs—they brought a lot of their guys up. The Dodgers have several homegrown guys, and yeah, guys start getting expensive once they get into arbitration years and when you have to re-sign them. But they're you—they're your guys. You got to pay them if you want to keep them. I just—I just think there's more than one way to win a team. There's not to win a championship, and there's not one right way that's better than the other. Like you got to have good leadership. You have to develop players. You have to get the pieces that are missing. That's what everybody does. There's not a certain way that's superior than anybody else's.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You can so, read between the lines. So before we uh, expand on the World Series, I just got a few college football notes. First note, Lucas, I had my first winning season in my picks all year. I went 5-3 and three this weekend. So I'm going to pat myself on the back for a job well done. It only took me the first seven weeks of having a losing or even record to finally break through. But I'm pumped, and I'm going for 8-0 this weekend. Well, uh, you're on a roll now, so keep it up. <laughs> so, college football season is getting pretty wild, and it, it hurt my soul to do the top ten this week. Uh, check out that article, FumblingPunter.com. Um, because I had to put Notre Dame and Ohio State in the top ten, which, you know me, That's basically like selling my soul to the devil, ranking both of them in the top 10. But Notre Dame actually has played a good schedule, and they've had some good wins this year. Uh, They whooped up on USC 49-14 in South Bend last week, and I was looking at their remaining schedule, and it's pretty tough. They have a very good 14th ranked uh, NC State team this weekend, and then two weeks from now, they have a top 10 matchup with Miami. Lucas, what year is it where we got a top ten matchup between Notre Dame and Miami?
1: <laughs> oh no, that's a eighties and nineties flashback there.
0: No kidding, man. I, I think that'll be if they stay if neither of them lose a the game between now and then that'll be a huge, huge game and I think it'll be a lot oh, of fun.
1: Oh, that's gonna be that's gonna be a game with enormous implications. Yeah. It's got playoff implications on it.
0: Yeah, because for sure. Because
1: if Miami can roll in, beat Notre Dame, win the A C C they're in.
0: Oh, absolutely. Playoffs.
1: Absolutely, Notre Dame. Yeah. Notre Dame loses. They're likely out of it at this point. Even though yeah. Georgia's a good loss. And Miami, they lose to Miami. That's going to look like a good loss. That's two losses. And if there's a two loss team that will make the playoffs, it's going to be Ohio State. That's yeah, the only
0: way. I hate Ohio State. So uh, I think the Pac 12 is done, too. Uh, I was just looking through with USC's loss this week. They only have two one-loss teams left. They have uh, Washington and Washington State. They both have pretty bad losses to Cal and Arizona State, and they don't have very good wins. So I'm going to make my little prediction right now. I think Alabama, Georgia, and the Big Ten champion are in the playoff. The fourth spot, I think, is going to go between Notre Dame, the Big 12 champ, and the ACC champ. I think that if... Alabama and Georgia go twelve and zero into Atlanta for the SEC championship game. They should both be in the college football playoff, and it would be hard for anyone to tell me otherwise.
1: Yeah, we, the the rest of the season is going to be some of these games are going to have major implications on them because you you got to consider is the Big Twelve really that strong? No. TCU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's kind of where they're at. The uh, Bedlam is going to obviously knock one of them teams out yeah. of playoff consideration. I mean, is TCU undefeated right now? They are. Yeah, if they run the table, it's going to be hard to keep TCU out because that means that means they did beat everybody in the Big 12 and then won the championship. But the, I think it's going to be a, a very interesting Dynamic as to whether who's the playoff committee is going to like more a TCU Big 12 champion or a Miami ACC champion.
0: I have this theory that I don't think there's any way that TCU makes a playoff because they will have to, in theory, beat Oklahoma twice. To which they would either have to beat Oklahoma twice or they'd have to end up beating Oklahoma State twice. They beat Oklahoma State once, and oh, the winner of Oklahoma-Oklahoma State will match up with them in the Big 12 title game. So, I mean, look back through like the last 20 years to a team that has... I know Missouri didn't make the national championship game 10 years ago because they lost to Oklahoma twice in one year. I think that's a tough, tough matchup for Gary Patterson and TCU. They could do it, but I never bet on anyone to beat Oklahoma twice in one year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're right there. But, you know, my my situation was completely hypothetical because yeah. then you also have to consider maybe Miami loses to Notre Dame. Like, they likely, even if they lose to Notre Dame, they're still going to go to the ACC championship game, probably. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I don't think Clemson has a chance to sneak back in. To the playoff picture, even if they do win the ACC, it would depend how good the Miami team is. That they 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 would play each other, right?
0: Yes, yes, they would.
1: Okay, sometimes they get confused because there's like the Atlantic Coastal
0: and then the Atlantic. What's I think it's just the Atlantic called? Division and then the Coastal Division.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, I get confused on which teams are in there because the Atlantic is the coast as well. Yeah, as it, it doesn't so make any sense. It's kind of weird, but I mean you. It's it's really hard to speculate right now. The only team that I'm comfortable with saying that's making the playoffs is Alabama. I mean, I I mean, obviously the Big 10 champions sh- should probably go, but are we sleeping on Wisconsin?
0: I would say that a little bit. Uh yeah, but I mean, that's because why They're put, not bad. They're I mean, they're undefeated. They're a top 5 team. I think I had them as my 5th or 6th best team in the country this week, but I think that uh, that's who I that's why I said the Big 10 champs getting in whether it's Wisconsin whether it's Penn State whether it's Ohio State that whichever Big three Ten.
1: the Big 10 and you're going to hate me saying this the Big 10 right now is a little more top heavy than the SEC
0: No it is I, I it hurts my heart to think about that but that's because they have better coaching Lucas if you and look If you take a
1: and, and you know what? You give me the depth of the SEC probably over the depth of the Big Ten, like no one gives a shit about Rutgers or Illinois or Purdue or even Nebraska at this point. What an embarrassment they became.
0: Yeah, no kidding.
1: But, I mean, yeah, they, they do have – I mean, they got some good coaches, uh, but the top heaviness of the Big Ten, I mean, yeah, the the champion will rightfully deserve to be – In the playoffs, but we don't know who that is going to be, and that actually may be decided Saturday. Penn State and Ohio State—that's the biggest game. Oh yeah, pay attention to Saturday by far.
0: Yeah, for sure it is. I think that's going to be a great game, and uh, if you look at Wisconsin's schedule, they don't have much in terms of they don't have uh, Ohio State or Penn State on the schedule this year, so there shouldn't be a whole lot keeping them from. Being twelve and zero for that Big Ten championship game, and I think that if they beat, if they match up with Penn State or Ohio State and they win and they win the Big Ten, then I think that they deserve a spot in the college football playoff.
1: Oh, they'd have. To. I mean, they'd have to. There's no way the committee could leave leave out a Big Ten team, and so I, like I said, there's just so much more to be decided. But the picture's gotten. A little bit clear as who's going to be the big players. Like I said, the Big 12 is still going to come down to the Bedlam game, and that will eliminate a team. And then obviously the championship there. And then the ACC is interesting. Um, the Pac 12, they're completely out of it. And I you agree know, with the, that. You know, and, and there's a chance that the ACC and the Big 12 is not going to have someone in there. Yeah. I mean, it'd be yeah, hard absolutely. to keep a Georgia team, and you got to, you know, and you got to consider that the Big Twelve and the ACC, both of them, may not make it if Notre
0: Dame wins out. Yeah, absolutely. You may have
1: two SEC teams, the Big Ten, and Notre Dame. So,
0: yeah, I've made the if- argument all year that it's going to be hard. To Alabama or Georgia will probably be either one two or one three going into the championship game. And if they've won every other game and their only loss is to another top three team, how do you keep them out? I don't think
1: you can. This is going to be one of them situations where their one loss is like their one loss to Alabama and the championship game will be better than any one or two loss season that Ohio State had and still made the playoffs.
0: Absolutely. And it's going because to make looking, a lot of people mad, Paul. <laughs> it's going to make a ton of people
1: mad. You know, I can just see Danny Cannell right now, furious if two SEC teams make.
0: Oh yeah, him and Joel Cloud are going to have like a rage off over. Just yeah, I mean, hatred. all
1: season long, up till Clemson lost, Cannell had Clemson ranked over Alabama, and nobody else even thought that because you could just do the Danny eye Danny Cannell's and, just you know
0: a contrarian Dabo, douchebag. Dabo's
1: done a fantastic job with all the guys that he lost.
0: Oh, great job.
1: Fantastic job. Nothing to hang their head about it, anything. And they still have an outside chance of making, you know, they need some dominoes to fall their way. They need Georgia to have a hiccup and then to lose. They need TCU to lose. They need to win the ACC championship. They need Notre Dame to lose. So, I mean, the, you know, best-case scenario for Clemson is they sneak in there as a four-seat. Worst-case scenario, you know, they're still probably going to finish in the top ten
0: yeah yeah i completely agree and what what a great job by Dabo this year so lucas let's get into our world our official world series preview so i did read uh the dodgers won 104 games this year as we all know the astros won 101 and this is the first world series matchup with 200 win teams since 1970 kind of a little impressive stat there huh
1: yeah, I, I mean, it, it just goes to show that you can win a, a ton of games and just, and you know, filter out in, in the postseason. And, and that's part of the short series. The five and seven games are not real indi- indicative of who's the actual better team, but you're trying to fit the playoffs into one month. So, you know, seven games is about the best you can get, and it's a decent indicator, not a perfect indicator, but I think that the thing that I want to stress the most is, you know, the Dodgers were on a pace to win more games than the the 116-win Mariners team did that, you know, lost in the first round, I think.
0: Yeah, they did. And, the, and
1: did the Indians win over 100 games this year, too?
0: I would have to look it up. I thought they did. I thought they had a better record than the Astros. Yeah, I thought they had home field throughout. But, I mean, it doesn't matter because I'm almost
1: positive they did. But I just want to put to rest the getting hot coming into the playoffs and then being cold going into the playoff scenario because you have the Dodgers who just went through a hellacious losing streak in late August Sept, and through September. Oh, yeah. They make it to the World Series. Then you got the Indians who broke the record for most games in a row out in the first round to the – uh baby bronx bombers and you know i just want to put and i've said for you i've read articles the last three or four years about how that's a myth getting hot into the playoffs getting hot like no that's not actually true yeah
0: i i think that you're right about that and uh, it has
1: happened it's purely coincidental you just got to make the playoffs and take it one day at a time
0: Yeah, and to answer your question, the Indians did win 102 games this year. So we had three teams win 100 games in baseball this year. Kind of an impressive feat. Yeah, well, I mean, and we spoke about this throughout the season.
1: Especially the National League, the American League was more crunched. But the teams that were crunched up for the second wild card spot were not like just barn beaters of teams.
0: Oh, yeah. they.
1: They were around 500, even under 500, and still within three or four games of the second wild card spot. Now, in the National League, you had a very top-heavy National League. There were several bad teams in the National League down toward the bottom. Oh yeah. So I mean, there were teams that were able to win 100. I mean, look at the Dodgers. They won 100 and what'd you say, four games? 104, yes. 104 games. And then they they at some one point they lost like fourteen of sixteen
0: games. Yeah. Insane. That's incredible. Absolutely insane. So uh Lucas, let's uh, look at managers. This is Dave Roberts of the L of the LA Dodgers second year with the team. He's his record is 195, 129. AJ Hinch is in his third year with the Astros and he is two hundred and seventy one wins to two hundred and fifteen losses. When you look at uh, managers, who do you take as the advantage between the two? You know,
1: to me, and and this is the coward's way out, but to me it's a real push, and this series is going to push one of them ahead of the other. Yeah. And and I'll expand on that a little bit. Because A.J. Hinch came in on a team that had lost, had like three or four straight years of 100 losses. He come in, they brought him in because they, you know, they got Jeffrey Lou now. He brings in A.J. Hinch because, A, he's open to analytics. The Astros are really a very analytical-driven team. They drafted well. And the Dodgers, on the other hand, are an analytical team, and they've drafted well, and they've also got the pieces. They went out and got the pieces they needed. They re-signed J.T. They brought – They signed Rich Hill. They brought Kidley Jansen back. They did the things they needed to do. Um, So I think this series is who's going to tell us who is better, but both are great managers. And I've been impressed with Dave Roberts even since last year because here's a guy who was, I don't even know, nine years removed from the major leagues or whatever. Yeah. One of the most, you know, had one of the most recognizable plays for the Red Sox back in Oh four, the steel. And he's able to come in. He came in as a, as a player's manager. He understood the players, but he was very receptive to the very brilliant front office of the Dodgers. Andrew Friedman came over from the Rays. He, they brought in Farhan Zidi from the A's to be the general manager. And, you know, he's been receptive to all their ideas. Now, Dave Roberts has rubbed rubbed me a wrong way a few times, like when he pulled Ross Stripling from the no-hitter in the eighth inning. I don't like that, but they're they're big into pitch counts on their younger arms. Um, And A.J. Hinch has done a good job of blending just phenomenal young talent like Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, George Springer, Jose Altuve, and was able to bring in some veteran guys and – you know, and really mix up their 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 pot of major league stew they have there with Beltron and McCann. They obviously make a sweet move for Verlander, who's so far, including the postseason, nine and O pitching for the Astros this year.
0: What a great move!
1: So these organizations, you know, I I'm happy for them both. I have no sour grapes at all for the Dodgers beating the Cubs. Huge Cubs fan. You know it sucked. I wish the Cubs were. You know their bullpen just shit out on them. But both these teams deserve to be there. They've made the moves. The Dodgers went and got you Darvish. They went and got two. You know they went and got Tony Watson and Tony Singrani to help fortify that bullpen. These teams deserve to be there. These are probably the two most deserving teams. They may not have been the teams I wanted to watch in the World Series, but these are probably the two most deserving teams to be there.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I remember back whenever uh, we talked about the glove funeral for Carlos Beltran and what a good team-blending exercise that was. You know, just they were having fun and they enjoyed playing together. And I thought that that was going to do wonders for them when they got into October. And it has. They're playing for the first World Series for the team since 2005, That's, trying to get I that mean, first title.
1: That team-building stuff, it works. Oh, yeah, 100%. It. it works. Yeah. The, uh, it, it, supposedly it works. It doesn't work for everybody, but for some of these younger type teams, it, it definitely works because when you're younger, you definitely have to believe in your teammates to help pick you up because you are going to make mistakes. You're not going to be that grizzled veteran yet. You know, even best oh, young yeah. guys make mistakes. Yeah. And you know, these guys, they, I mean, they deserve to be there, and I think we're in for a good World Series. Um, I don't think it's going to go seven. But I I, I do think that it's going to be a a good World Series to watch.
0: Yeah, so looking at the pitching matchups, Game 1 they have Kershaw versus Keichel. Uh, I'm guessing we're both going to give the advantage to the Dodgers in the Game 1 pitching matchup?
1: Yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, Kershaw still, he's been better in the postseason. Um, He did have a few hiccups in the couple games he pitched with Chicago. Nothing yeah. huge though because the offense picks them up, um, but he gets the he gets the nod over Keiko. Keichel. Keiko's had some injury concerns this year. How long can he go? They need seven out of them because the Astros bullpen looks pretty shaky. Shaky enough where they had Mc, uh, McCullers finish the game out. Yeah, the other night, I which probably was the right move. Oh yeah, but then I we... mean. Going into, like, what game two or three against the Yankees, Ken Giles had had two saves in the postseason, but he gave up a home run in both of them. Yeah. That that doesn't exude a lot of confidence from your closer.
0: No, it does not. It never does. So, looking at game two, Lucas, Rich Hill versus Justin Verlander. I'm guessing we both like Verlander in this one. You know, it's hard to discount
1: Rich Hill, nasty curveball. You know, whatever he's done the last three years has worked for him, but Verlander's been lights out since he's came to Houston. He's been lights out in the postseason. Just his stuff looks filthy.
0: You're not going to like this comparison, Lucas, but just bear with me, okay? I think that Verlander right now reminds me of Chris Carpenter 2011-ish, where, you know, Verlander's stuff is still good, but it's not what it was whenever he won the MVP in 2011. But he is just, when he's pitching, he looks like he has the mindset of give me the ball and get the hell out of the way. I'm going to take care of this. And as a Cardinal fan, I love seeing that from Chris Carpenter. And I think that's what Justin Verlander's done this postseason. And I have loved, loved watching him pitch this year.
1: Why would we not say like Mad Bum? Well,
0: that's a good one, but I was just thinking Far they're both better right-handers. than Carpenter.
1: Yeah, I well, mean, which way you throw doesn't care for your attitude on the mound.
0: No, but it's ha- you know what I'm saying. How many times do you see a righty and you're like, "Oh, it reminds me of a lefty." You didn't see Roger Clemens and you were like, "Ah, you know he goes out and pitches with that same grit as Sandy Koufax."
1: No, I'm just saying.
0: I'm just saying. Put put your difference. Put our differences aside here, just and appreciate what Verlander has done. Can we agree to that?
1: I mean, I, I I've admitted the full time that Verlander has so, been on his game.
0: So when we look to, all postseason, yeah, when we look to games three and four, uh, AJ Hinch hasn't said in which order he's going to throw uh, McCullers and Charlie Morton, and they're going to be paired up uh, going up against Yu Darvish and Alex Wood. That Lucas to me seems like a pretty good advantage for the Dodgers, but you're our baseball expert, so what do you think on this? Uh
1: well let me tell you why if McCullers can pitch like he did closing out the Astros it's going to be tough. You Darvish can be got to.
0: Oh uh, yeah, he hasn't
1: had his most dominant season this year, and I still believe Alex Wood can be got to. I can't, he, but he really hasn't got been gotten to a lot this year. And you know Charlie Morton pitched well. I just I got to go with the Dodgers here though. Like you know yeah. just looking at name recognition for you know darvish over mccullers and then you know more than alex wood you really need to do a lot more uh, you know looking at the numbers and you know i'll take i'll take alex wood for that yeah um so but you know overall it's pretty evenly matched on the starters because i think this game will be i think this series is going to be decided by the bullpen and you got to give me the 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 dodgers bullpen all day i mean Kinley jansen is just he's disgusting
0: oh yeah absolutely he's terrific so how about position players Lucas I'm looking at both lineups right now and I mean when you think of Altuve, Correa Springer I I love the Astros man I, I want to give the edge to the Astros in their lineup what do you think
1: you know again I still think it's pretty evenly matched I think the X factor though is going to be Corey Seager yeah um, he hasn't seen live pitching in a couple weeks. Is his back still barking at him a little bit, or is he completely, his back feeling great? Is he good enough to play? Um, I mean, obviously he's feeling good enough to play. He's in the lineup, but we know, you know, even just, you know, this time of the year, you've had a full seasons of little knickknack injuries and things like that. And his back's, you know, barking at him a little bit. Um, I think he's the X factor in this lineup, but you know, the, the Astros lineup is real salty. Problem is, Josh Reddick has sucked. I don't know if he's starting tonight Ooh. or not. I think Beltron should be getting a start. Of he course, should. he can't really move in the he can't really move in the outfield
0: like he used to. So, because <laughs> he's like fifty.
1: Yeah, but you know Reddick. You know I don't know if he ever got a hit the other night. Yes, he got.
0: Seven, he ended up getting one in game seven.
1: Okay, so now he's like one for twenty three. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Well, he has to show up and play. Oh, yeah. And I think he's going to – and, you know, he may overtry because I think I read some comments about him talking about how he didn't feel like Dodgers fans treated him very well or something when he hmm. was there. He only played, like, half a season for him. But, yeah. you know, the Springer – you know, McCann and Gaddis, you're going to have one of them catching. You got, you know, Springer, Altuve, Correa. They're all good. Wagman hasn't really been that great in the postseason, but – um, he's got the talent. Marvin Gonzalez had a fantastic season, can play anywhere. Oh, yeah. But I look back over at the Dodgers, and, you know, honestly, the best, the scariest lineup I've seen this postseason was the Nationals. Because I remember saying yeah. that I do think that the Cubs, I thought that the Dodgers had a weaker lineup than the Nats. So, you know, I, I, I thought maybe the Cubs would play a little better than they did just based on not having to go. I mean, the nationals lineup, you just get from one good guy to another. Oh, it was, it was insane. It was, I mean, you get Bryce Harper out, then you got to face David Murphy, you get him out, you're facing Zimmerman, you get him out, you got Anthony Rendon, you got Trey Turner in there. And you know, it's I nasty. thought, well, the Dodgers are going to be a little bit of a break, but no, they put on a hitting clinic against the Cubs yeah. and all credit to them. I mean, they tore it up. They know how to hit. I think you know, I think Dave Roberts may have them run a little bit just to see, you know, what they can do. But Bellinger, powerful guy. Corey Seeger's got power. You sell batting like four hundred in the playoffs.
0: Whew.
1: You know, he's been he's been fantastic. They got a good defense out in the outfield. Um Kiki Hernandez hit three home runs against the Cubs. I, I don't think he's going to do that in a World Series. Holy but crap. Hell, he might get a hold of a couple. I honestly think that it's, you know, fairly evenly matched lineup. I mean, the the Astros have young guys that are under 25 that are making a name for themselves. But, you know, a lot of these guys in the Dodgers lineup, you know, they're they're pretty salty too.
0: Oh, yeah. So, all right, Lucas, we've talked about the lineups, we talked about bullpen, starting pitching managers. Let's give the predictions. Who do you got?
1: I have the Dodgers in six.
0: I'm going to take the Astros in six. I think that, like, there's just something too perfect about giving the ball to Justin Verlander for the second time in game six and telling him to go finish it off. I love the storyline there.
1: Yeah, I mean that obviously makes the Astros' investment in him pay off. Oh yeah, which it's you, already paid off right now. Did, I mean, in you, my opinion,
0: did you see the curveball that he threw, uh, Frasier? When <laughs> and, and he just like basically kind of threw his bat at it, and uh, they used it in the uh, in the highlight reel for was that game six?
1: Yeah, I seen someone on Twitter like oh my sent God Todd Frazier back to Little League or something like that.
0: <laughs> that was nasty. Yeah, I, I mean, mean nasty. It,
1: I mean, I, I mean, we're both pretty much in agreement. We don't think it's going to go to a Game Seven. It's good for baseball if it does go to a Game Seven. I mean, oh yeah. super, I mean, last year Game Seven, super exciting, even for people that you know had nothing invested in it. Yeah, you know, a I lot mean, of people watched it just for can the Cubs break the curse or the Indians are going to win one. And it wasn't just the Cubs 108 years. It was the Indians 70-some years. You know, it was like someone's going to be extremely happy. And, you know, the Game 7 last year started off with the Cubs up like 5-1 to one or something, and then nah, here come the Indians. You're tied. You get extra innings and in Game 7 of the World Series. Holy shit. I don't know if this series is going to be that – exciting but it's going to be that good
0: oh i completely agree completely agree but lucas you got anything for the people before we get off here uh enjoy the world series we got another week
1: 10 days or so of baseball and then here comes off season moves and it's going to be crazy off season
0: Oh, yeah, we're going to have a lot to talk about this offseason. Lucas, thanks for joining us. Uh, we may end up doing another one later this week. Uh, just kind of a spoiler, kind of see how these first two games go and uh, go from there. What do you say? I do, I do
1: want to say one more thing. Lance, if you're listening, enjoy the ride, buddy. I know you've been waiting for this Dodgers World Series a long time.
0: Congratulations, Lance. All right, everybody. Enjoy the World Series, and we'll talk to you later this week.